As the wind howls outside and the snow whirls and swirls, we welcome you to the cozy Christmas cottage. This is the No Sleep Podcast Season Pass Christmas bonus episode for 2022. I'm your host, David Cummings. Tonight, I'm honored to be joined by the jolly old elf himself, Santa Claus. Well, thank you for having me, David. And thank you for this resplendent selection of single malt scotch whiskies you have. <laughs> How about a little top up here? <laughs> okay, Santa. But perhaps we should slow down a bit while we host this episode. Bottoms up, Tubby. <laughs> Don't be stingy with old Chris Kringle. Here you are. Ah, that'll put some coal in the old stocking. Ha ha ha. Santa, you've been featured on so many of our Christmas episodes in the past. Let me ask you, what's your opinion of Christmas as a theme for horror stories? Isn't this season meant to be one of light and good tidings and great joy? Yes, I suppose it is. But then again, it's also a time when a strangely dressed fat man forces his way into people's chimney. Uh, that's not a euphemism, mind you. And he leaves presents for good children and despicable coal for bad children. Then he eats whatever snacks you leave for him before disappearing back up the old dark chute. Doesn't that ultimately sound terrifying to you? Almost as terrifying as your description of disappearing up people's dark chutes. So there you have it. Old Santa may be a jolly old soul, but he's no stranger to the long, dark winter nights filled with ghostly tales. And for that, we are most grateful. Horror and Christmas makes for strange yet satisfying bedfellows. Yes, that's another thing people forget. Sometimes Santa slips into people's beds when he visits. <laughs> How's that for a strange yet satisfying bedfellow? You... Are, are you... Uh, really? Oh, never mind. Look, you said we're hosting this episode, no? Let's get started before you make it onto my naughty list. Got it. And that's a perfect segue into our first tale. The naughty and nice list and all those letters you get from around the world. Yes, my mailbox is overflowing. Right, right. It mustn't be easy to process all those requests. I'll tell you right now, Baldy, it's an arduous task that keeps me up at night. Hmm, I'd prefer you a little less insulting, but can you tell us about the letters which get under your skin? Well, I remember one letter. I believe it came from a young woman named Lyselle Jones. It wasn't as sweet as I expected it to be. Can you recall it for us? No, but I'm sure Catabelle and Sari can. Let's listen to it now. Alrighty. Here is the letter called, uh, what's it called? She calls it her I Wish List. Dear Santa, this year I'm trying really hard not to be greedy with my Christmas list. I'm not going to ask you for a new gaming laptop a diamond charm bracelet or anything like that. I promise. All I want is mommy and daddy back. I miss them so much. I know we didn't always get along great, that sometimes I wasn't their best little girl. But since they've been gone, I realize how much they meant, how much they did for me. 
Life's so hard without them. Please, could you do this one little thing for me, Santa? I've behaved much, much better this year. You must have noticed. Yeah, I guess I've been a bit moody with my new carers. They're so strict with their stupid rules and curfews. And I probably shouldn't have played some of those nasty tricks on them. But come on, it's not that bad, is it? It's not like I murdered anyone. Again. quite dark. Do you often get letters from young girls who murder their parents? Far more than you might imagine. Why do you suppose that is? The killing, I mean. Well, how should I know? It probably has something to do with TikTok. Yeah, most evil things do. Speaking of that, how has technology and the internet changed the way you do what you do? I'm sure children are forgoing written letters in favor of emails and DMs. Is that right? There's no question that technology makes the correspondence easier. In fact, it's allowed me to outsource the whole routine. Ah, you mean you pay people, uh, your elves as it were, to answer the children's emails? I didn't say anything about paying them, but yes, yes, I have a sweatshop, I, I mean I have a workshop full of happy volunteers who answer the emails from the children. Well that must be a fun job. Oh, you would think so, but just don't ask Luke Pudney. Ah, there's a story for you about what it's like to answer emails for Santa Baby. Oh, please don't refer to yourself like that. Fine, I'm sure Elana Charnel and David Alt wouldn't be so uptight about it. After all, they're going to share Luke's story with us. I'm fully braced for it. What's it called? It's a creepy little ditty called... The Caroler. You have 63 unread emails. This was going to be a long night. Sure, I love Christmas as much as the average person, and I like earning a bit of extra money, but I still wasn't looking forward to it. It was my job to read each and every one of these emails and respond as if I were the real Santa Claus. I also had a small pile of handwritten letters that needed a reply as well. They were stacked up next to me, all neatly tied together with a piece of string. For some reason, I actually prefer receiving the handwritten letters rather than the electronic version. It feels more personal, but it seems like most kids nowadays would rather send an email. In fact, I had only this small pile of 12 letters this year. All the others were strictly via email. I began to click through each email, quickly skimming what it was that each child wanted for Christmas, before replying that I would try my best to deliver that gift to them. I would always end the email by signing off as Santa Claus, before clicking send. Most kids would want the usual presents of bikes, games or a puppy, but there were also a number of requests that were a bit more unique. One kid wanted a bottle of hand sanitizer, while another wanted a hammer. 
For the most part, though, it appeared that kids mainly wanted similar gifts. The night was getting late by the time I had answered the majority of the emails. My hands and wrists were beginning to tire, but the thought of earning $3 for each reply was what managed to keep me working. My eyes wanted to close, and so I decided to leave the small stack of letters until tomorrow. I still had a dozen or so emails to complete, but it was time to call it a night. The unmistakable sound of another new email rang out across my small apartment. I knew that I wasn't going to respond, but I wanted to skim read what it said before making acquaintance with my bed. Holly, good work on responding to all those emails tonight. I know it's mentally draining and I know you are working hard at it, but I just want to make sure you are also replying to the handwritten letters that I sent over to you this morning. Those kids need a response too. Thanks, Michael. I'd never met Michael in person, but when it came to getting my job done, he was in constant contact with me. Michael was a decent boss, but sometimes could be a bit pushy and a tad demanding. I was going to respond to the letters as well, but both Michael and the kids would have to wait until tomorrow to hear back from the fake Santa. I was just about to finish closing the lid on my laptop when I heard another distinctive ding sound. Another email had come through. I thought most kids would be in bed at this late hour and not sending a Christmas wish list via email. Curious, I flicked my laptop back open and read the new email. The subject consisted of only six words. It read, On the first day of Christmas. Unsure of what this meant, I opened the email and read what was written. It didn't take long to read the words because it was only two sentences long. The caroler sent to me partridge hanged in a pear tree. I reread the email a couple of times, making sure that I had correctly comprehended the message. I knew what was written, but I didn't entirely know what it meant. I sat there staring at the computer screen, confused as to what this email was about. I didn't have long to be confused though, because another ding filled the silence in the room. I looked at my inbox and saw that another email had just been sent through. This time there was no subject but the actual contents of the email was once again only a few sentences long. The first Noel the angels did slay. The caroler. This email also made mention of the caroler, and I was unsure as to who exactly that was. Maybe just someone playing some sort of prank, but I had seen enough horror movies to not completely dismiss this as such. I was definitely concerned by the caroler's use of the word slay. I thought it was best to not respond to these emails but I knew that I shouldn't just delete them and forget about them either. This time, when I checked the email, it only contained a single sentence, another line from a famous Christmas song. Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at my sight. The caroler. The caroler had signed their name at the bottom of the email again, making sure I knew that it was from them, whoever they were. I was starting to feel a strange sense of dread, like my body knew that something was clearly wrong, but my brain was still trying to decipher what exactly. There were two dings this time, both of them making me jump slightly in my seat. My eyes darted back to the top of the inbox list and I saw two new emails had just arrived. The first one read, Bells on Bob's tail ring, making his spirit rise the caroler. The second email, also from the caroler, contained another quote from another joyful Christmas carol. Joy to the world, for I have come. 
Carola. Now I was worried. Whoever this was wasn't mistakenly sending me these emails. This was intentional. They wouldn't accidentally send me five emails, all containing strange versions of Carol's. Each email seemed to allude to something dark or sinister, which was something that I couldn't ignore. Rudy the dead-nosed reindeer had a very tiny nose. Carola. This email was the first to truly disturb me. I'm not sure entirely why, but I think it was because it seemed as if Rudolph was purposely changed to another name. This probably meant something, but what that was was still unknown. Obviously, the Carol art was trying to scare me, and he definitely knew how to. What scared me most, though, was what if these emails were clues to something? Hark, the herald angels sing. Gory to the firstborn king. The Carola. I read this email twice before I noticed that it read firstborn instead of newborn, as is heard in the song. I wasn't quite sure what the significance of this change was, but I was certain that it had to mean something. O come, all ye faithful, dreadful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye, to Beth. The Carola. Another change lyric to suit a name. I was absolutely sure that this was on purpose now. This had to be a clue to something bigger. It just wasn't possible to make this many spelling mistakes without them being deliberate and calculated. I looked around my empty apartment. It was dark, apart from my laptop screen providing a faint glow. The darkness no longer felt comfortable, and I needed a proper light source to help calm myself down. I needed to be able to see everything that was inside the apartment, just in case. I stood up out of my seat and only took one step towards the light switch when I heard another ding. I didn't want to look at it, not until the light was on. I continued to walk towards the light switch while constantly looking through the darkness, hoping not to see anything within it. I reached the switch, flicked it on and quickly glanced around the room. It was empty. Only the wardrobe, my desk and my bed were present. I quickly walked back over to the laptop, but as I did, two more distinct dings rang out across the room. When I reached the laptop again, I had three unread emails that had just been sent through. I knew exactly who they were from before I looked at them. The first email read, He sees Hugh when he's sleeping. He knows when he's awake. The Caroler. I paused to take in what I had just read before moving on to the second email. Bad tidings I bring to you and your Finn. The Caroler. The final email, which was the longest so far, read, And Carol out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the gory Christmases long, long ago. The Caroler. Three more emails. Three more names mentioned. I waited, watching the laptop screen, waiting for another ding, waiting for another email to pop up. But it seemed like the messages had stopped. I waited for a few more minutes, expecting to receive another one, but it never arrived. As I sat in my now well-lit apartment, I felt a chill run down my spine. I wasn't really that sure of what I had just experienced, or what any of it meant. I just knew that it wasn't something I wanted to be involved with. It was quiet, and I was listening out for any small noise that I could, just in case I heard anyone nearby. 
I could hear a car or two outside of my window, but other than that, it was a silent night. I had never heard of anyone called the Caroler before, and I was afraid as to who or what they could be. Why were they contacting me? And why all the cryptic emails? I suddenly had a thought. The letters. The handwritten letters for Santa that I hadn't had a chance to look at yet. For some reason they popped into my mind, and once the thought of them occurred, I couldn't shake the feeling that they may be involved somehow. I looked to the side and towards the bundle of envelopes that were beside me. I reached out and grabbed the top letter on the stack. I tore it open and pulled out the single sheet of paper that was inside. The piece of paper was only small, and it only had a few sentences written on it, in small, incredibly neat handwriting. Dear Santa, For Christmas, I want to be a partridge in a pear tree. From Georgia Partridge. I instantly knew then that this was all connected somehow, and I frantically grabbed the next letter. I tore the envelope that contained the second letter. I pulled the piece of paper out and quickly unfolded it. Again, there was a small note written in the same neat handwriting as the previous letter. Dear Santa, all I want is to be found in the fields as I lay. From Noel Dover. I froze. I recognised that name. Noel Dover. I'd heard it before, I swear I had. I just couldn't remember where. Pushing the thought of the name aside, I grabbed the next envelope that sat at the top of the pile, tore it open and plucked out its contents. The same handwriting greeted me, in what now felt like a taunting manner. Dear Santa, for Christmas, I want to sleep in heavenly peace. From Henry Shepherd. It then struck me. I remembered how I knew the name Noel Dover. Well, I thought I did, so I went back to the laptop and searched for his name. I was right. I had correctly remembered where I knew his name from. Search enters day 12 for Missing Camper. Missing Camper, Noel Dover, has been missing for almost two weeks now. Both police and volunteers have been tirelessly searching ever since his disappearance was first reported. Police inspected his campsite and have today revealed that there is evidence that points to foul play. It is unknown at this time whether there are any suspects that relate to his disappearance. The article continued to explain more about the missing man, but I had read enough. I remembered this story from a few years ago. As far as I knew, no one had ever been convicted for his abduction. In fact, I don't think there were ever any suspects. After discovering this piece of information, my mind began to race. Why was this letter sent to me? And why did it reference a true crime? Of course, my brain immediately thought of the possibility that whoever was sending me these letters were involved with his disappearance. But I tried my best to push that idea out of my mind. I know it was a logical explanation, but the thought scared me too much to entertain it any longer. Out of curiosity, or maybe hope that it was a coincidence, I decided to search the internet for the other names mentioned in these letters, Georgia Partridge and Henry Shepherd. I hoped to find that they had not met similar fates. I entered both of their names into the search engine. I didn't like the two newspaper articles I found about them. Georgia Partridge body found hanging from an old pear tree, suspected suicide. Henry Shepherd, his dead body was found inside of his home. A large hole was dug through his forehead. I was seeing the pattern, which I guess was the caroler's design. 
The disturbing trend of the names from the letters all belonging to dead individuals was one that I wished I wasn't involved with. I looked around my apartment one more time, just to confirm that I was indeed alone. I couldn't make out anything out of the ordinary, just the usual furniture and clutter. I turned back around to face my laptop and the slowly declining stack of letters. I had to know what else was hidden within these envelopes. Of course, I was afraid to see what else they would reveal, but I had to know. I also needed to know why they had been specifically sent to me. I pulled the next letter that was resting atop the pile and opened it. Dear Santa, I want to sing a slaying song tonight. From Robert Calling. Another clue that directly related to the emails I'd previously received. Bells on Bob's tail ring, making his spirit rise. I had no doubt in my mind that if I researched his name, he would indubitably be dead. I decided that I didn't really want to know about Bob's fate, so I moved on to the next letter and read it. Dear Santa, I want to hear the angels' voices ring. From Joy Gold. I read through this letter once before tossing it to one side and opening the following letter. Dear Santa, I want to meet Slasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. From Rudy Laying. After reading this letter, which also was written in the exact same handwriting as all the previous ones, I turned back to my laptop. I looked back through my email inbox and began to cross-reference the letters with the emails I had been sent. So far, they were all in the same order. And each name that was involved in the email was the same name that each letter was from. I guess at this stage, my curiosity got the better of me and I decided to try and find out what had happened to Robert, Joy and Rudy. It didn't take long to discover their fates. Robert Calling disappeared from his home on Christmas Eve four years ago. Neighbours claimed to not see anyone near his house but heard bells at around midnight. Joy Gold was strangled to death in her own home. A long piece of tinsel was discovered close to her body. Rudy Laying disappeared 11 years ago. His body has never been found. All that was ever located was his nose, which was cut off his face and was left on his mantelpiece beside a number of Christmas cards. I know at this point I should have phoned the police or phoned anyone really, but I guess my morbid curiosity got the better of me. I needed to know more. At this moment, I heard what sounded like a slight creak behind me and I jumped in my seat and turned around quickly to see what it was. Nothing out of the ordinary was apparent inside my apartment. I couldn't see anything or hear anything other than the sound of my own rapid breathing and the loud thumping of my heart. I turned my desk chair slightly so that it was angled in a way that meant I could see the door to my apartment and I could still easily reach the letters. I wanted to have eyes facing out toward the main area of my living space so I could see the front door. I didn't think anyone would try to enter my apartment, but I wanted to be able to see in case they did. Once I was satisfied that I'd be able to see anyone entering the apartment, I grabbed the next letter and opened it. Dear Santa, I want to join the triumph of the skies. From Jacob King. It took a bit longer to find further information about Jacob King, but I did manage to uncover something. Not a newspaper article like previously, but a post on a social network by who I presumed was Jacob's mum. It read, If anyone knows where my eldest son Jacob is, I beg of you to tell me. He hasn't been seen by anyone for three days now and I need to know where he is. If he is with you, 
let me know. That was all I managed to find about him, but it told me more than enough. He was missing. I looked down at the stack of papers that were left. There were still five envelopes sitting on the desk. No doubt, five more clues about five more people that were now missing or dead. I dreaded opening them, but at the same time, I needed to know what they said. I knew that once they were all open, I would take my findings to the police. There was evidence here that all of the crimes were connected. Someone knew about them. The Carolyn knew. I opened the next four letters, one after the other, and read what was written on each one. Dear Santa, I want to sing, sing with a choir of angels, sing in execution, from Beth Maid. Dear Santa, do you know if I've been bad or good, because I've been bad for goodness sake, from Hugh Dancer. Dear Santa, I wish you a Merry Christmas Massacre. From Finn Lord. Dear Santa, can you make it the most sinful time of the year? From Carol Piping. I read through each letter, getting more and more nervous. I was worried because I was getting closer towards the final letter. The letter that I really wasn't sure what was going to contain. I had only received 11 emails, yet this was the 12th letter I was going to open. I could think hopefully and assume that this envelope actually contained a child's letter to Santa, but hopeful wasn't something I could be after what I had just read through. I knew that it was going to be another letter from the caroler. I turned my chair back around, sacrificing my eyeline to the door to do so, and very hesitantly picked up the final letter. Slowly tore the envelope open, and pulled out the sheet of paper that was inside. As I pulled out the letter, I could see that it was the same handwriting. The same neat handwriting that was present on all the other letters. I read it out loud this time. And the letter was exactly what I feared it would be. Deck the halls with bowels of holly. The caroler. As I finished reading it, I heard a voice come from directly behind me, speaking directly into my ear. Fa la 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 la. Ha 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 ha. Holy fa la 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 la. You might have a lot fewer volunteers after that story. I'm not worried. I can be very persuasive when it comes to getting people to do my bidding. Well, that sounds, uh, hmm, ominous. I sometimes wonder if there's more Krampus than Kringle in you. And I wonder if there's more gravy than grave in your veins, you big fat piece okay, of... Okay, okay, let's try to keep things light. Besides, you're not exactly one to talk, Mr. Bowlful of Jelly Belly. Don't be jealous of me. I have plenty of admirers who like me thick. Thick Saint Nick, they moan. Oh, God, I'm sorry I asked. 
But listen, when we think about some of the darker, stranger Christmas traditions, we think about one we just heard about. Caroling. Ah, the tradition of prowling through dark neighborhoods, singing songs in front of people's homes, hoping they'll come out to listen and watch. <laughs> yes, quite creepy, if you ask me. I can only assume that's why the tradition seems to be dying out. Most people just livestream their caroling on Twitch these days. Yeah, perhaps. But I've heard tell of an entire town which absolutely forbids anyone from caroling. Do you know why that is? I vaguely recall that. Yes, yes. I believe writer Angela Sylvain told me about it once. Exactly. We have to hear that story. Good thing we just happened to have it performed by Matthew Bradford, Erica Sanderson, Sarah Thomas, Tanya Milosevic, Kristen DiMercurio, and Nicole Doolin. Well, let's wait no longer. Tell us about it. Oh, they will tell us about the story titled, Here We Come A-Caroling. Annie huddled under her comforter with a flashlight focused on the book she'd found at the Angels of Mercy thrift shop. She'd never stolen anything, and her heart had hammered in her ten-year-old chest as she tucked the book into the front of her pants, then tugged her t-shirt over the cover. She'd been sure her mother or the nun that ran the shop would immediately notice the guilt on her face. Her allowance would have been plenty to buy the book, but this one never should have been for sale in the first place. Annie should have told when she had seen the forbidden book, but they would have taken it away, destroyed it. Brushing her curls from her eyes, she examined the front cover. It was the most beautiful thing she'd ever seen, with Christmas carols old and new in scrolling gold fonts on a red background. The book smelled of dust and mold, and the edges were singed as if someone had tried to burn it. She opened the cover and the pages crackled, the paper brittle and water-damaged. The first song was Away in a Manger, and the words were accompanied by sheet music. The piano lessons her mother had forced her to attend would finally pay off, Annie thought, the tune lilting through her mind as she scanned the music. A floorboard creaked in the hallway, and she flattened, pulling her blankets up to her chin as she flipped off the flashlight. She closed her eyes and held her breath. Her bedroom door eased open with a creak. Her mother, Sharon, appeared in the doorway. You better not still be awake. Annie faked a yawn. <sighs> Mom? I thought I saw a light on. Annie wedged the book of carols beneath her, uncaring of the corners digging into her spine. I was sleeping. Sharon's lips ticked up at the corners. Uh-huh. Annie snuggled into her pillow and closed her eyes. She waited for the sound of her mother's footsteps receding, then counted to 100 before easing from the bed to slip the book beneath her mattress. She crawled back beneath her covers and drifted off, her sleep filled with visions of snowmen, sugar cookies, and twinkling lights. Practice Fior Elisa for next time. Mrs. Gunderson slipped her sheet music in a worn canvas bag. Annie stifled a groan. Mrs. Gunderson didn't assign anything less than a hundred years old. Yes, ma'am. Mrs. Gunderson retreated down the stairs, leaving Annie alone in the loft seated at the piano her mother had given her for her birthday. 
And although Annie liked doing lessons at home instead of Mrs. Gunderson's, which reeked of vaporub, she would have rather had a new bike. Annie withdrew the book of carols from her backpack. The musty scent wafted from the pages, and she breathed deep of her secret treasure. She flipped to a song titled Oh Christmas Tree, and a memory snapped into focus. She'd just turned five, and she held her father's hand on one side and her mother's on the other as they stared up at the giant Christmas tree, so big she couldn't see the tip. Her father sang along with the choir, his voice booming. She'd gotten her love of singing from him, and the carols they sang at Christmas time were her favorite songs. Her mother never joined them, but that was okay. It was their special thing. God had taken her father not long after. The doctor called it cardiac failure, and her mother explained that meant heart attack, which seemed especially sad to Annie. Why would someone's heart attack them? They'd moved to Madison Point to be closer with her mother's family, and Annie hadn't sung a word since. Discovering the book brought everything back, unearthing not just the music she treasured, but precious memories of her father. If she did as she'd been taught and destroyed the book, kept her voice silent, she would lose him all over again. And a few verses, a few songs couldn't be that dangerous, could they? After all, her voice wasn't all that pretty or special. Annie placed the book on the piano and began to play. After practicing the notes a few times, she took a deep breath and sang. Her voice was weak from disuse, a little shaky. But the longer she went on, the stronger it got, like a muscle that needed to be stretched. By the second time through, her words lined up with the notes, and the combination formed the most wonderful music she'd heard in years. She could almost hear her father's voice rumbling along with hers. Deep in her chest, some hidden wounds started to heal, soothed by the melody and the song spilling from her lips. Something crashed downstairs. Annie snatched the book from the piano and stuffed it in her bag, leaving only her Beethoven music displayed. She rushed down the stairs, skidding to a stop in the living room at the sight of her mother. Sharon's short hair was windblown, and her coat had slipped from one shoulder. She grabbed Annie's arm and held her at arm's length. Are you all right? Sure, Mom. Did something break? Annie peered into the kitchen and saw grocery bags strewn across the floor. She hadn't even heard her mother come home. Sharon went to the front windows to peek through the curtains. I heard Christmas music. I was practicing Beethoven. Guilt bawled in Annie's stomach. They don't normally come during the day. Who? No one is here. Sharon gasped and pointed outside. A single mitten lay atop the small pile of unmelted snow on the grass. The carolers were here. Did you see them? Annie squirmed under her mother's stare. No. Come Christmas Eve, the carolers will take someone... If you see them, if you even hear a note of Christmas music, you run and hide. Understand? Yes, Mom. Of course, Annie understood. It had been hammered into her head the moment they'd arrived in Madison Point. Sharon pulled Annie into a hug. I'm sorry if I scared you, honey, but I can't lose you. Annie hugged her mother, but her eyes fixed on the bare fireplace hearth. At their old house, they drink cocoa while stringing garland and hanging the stockings. Her father's voice a jovial soundtrack. Here, the fireplace was bare, giving no clue that it was just two days before Christmas. Come on! Annie led Melissa to the bedroom and ushered her inside. 
Melissa plopped down in one of the two beanbags opposite the bed, her pigtail braids bouncing. Did you sneak your mom's chocolates again? No, this is way better. And he grabbed her prize from beneath a mattress and sat on the other beanbag. Promise not to tell. Melissa rolled her eyes. <sighs> Drama queen. Annie stuck out her pinky. Swear it. Fine. Melissa hooked her pinky with Annie's. Show me already. Show me already. Annie laid the book on her lap, glancing at Melissa in time to see her jaw drop. Where did that come from? I found it at Angel's. Annie opened the cover and flipped through the pages. You shouldn't have that. It'll attract the carolers. Annie gave an exasperated sigh. Everyone in this town is obsessed. Her grandmother rehashed the tale of the carolers every chance she got. The old woman was just a girl when the choir teacher, Mr. Sherwood, was fired from his post at the elementary school for his harsh treatment of the children. In a rage, he set fire to the school during the Christmas pageant, killing himself and a half a dozen kids. The townspeople actually believed that he and his carolers returned each year to collect the person with the most beautiful voice, hence the ban on singing and anything related to Christmas. It's an urban legend. I mean, have you ever seen them? Once. Just for a second. My brother was too little to know better, and he was like cooing and singing, and I guess they heard it. You never told me that. When they started to sing... Melissa swallowed hard. It was totally creepy. My dad had us in the basement. But nothing happened, right? They got our neighbor instead. She was like senile or something. Wandered out into the street and started to belt out a tune. You saw her taken? No, but my dad told me. You know they got Stacy Bonner's last year. You don't know the Carol has had anything to do with it. Stacy could have run away, or some weirdo could have taken her. It was the carolers. Melissa twisted one of her braids around her finger. I've watched all those ghost hunter shows, and it's totally fake. Just people scaring themselves. Annie opened the book again. Melissa stood and flung open the door. Seriously, get rid of that thing. She stormed off. Annie's enthusiasm drained like sand in an hourglass. She just wanted to share the book with someone, show them how wonderful the music could be. The one person who would have understood was gone. Annie closed the book and clutched it to her chest. For a moment, she felt her father's arms hugging her tight. Annie was stretched out on her stomach in front of the fireplace, her book open in front of her. The giver assigned reading, so not her first choice. Sharon sat on the couch, working on a baby blanket for the hospital's young mother's pantry. The only sound was the click, click, click of knitting needles. Banging on the front door startled Annie into a sitting position. Her mother checked the peephole, then opened the door. Don, what's wrong? Don, clothed in a parka, housecoat, and slippers, strode through the door with her daughter, Melissa, in tow. You. Don raised a bony finger to point at Annie. What's this about? She's got a Christmas songbook. Melissa saw it. Didn't you? Melissa kept her head down, her hair unbraided now and hiding her face. Yes, ma'am. Sharon whirled on Annie. Is this true? 
Annie stood, backed up until she hit the wall. Where is it? Tears pooled in Annie's eyes. She couldn't lose the book. Melissa! You pinky swore! Melissa flinched. It's under her mattress. Sharon raced up the stairs. Annie stumbled after her mother, but Sharon was too fast. Annie reached the open bedroom door in time to see her mother pull the book of carols from its hiding place. Sharon's face twisted in an angry scowl as she tore the cover from the book. No! Annie rushed into the room, tried to snatch the book, but Sharon shoved her away. Annie stumbled back and fell, pain shooting through her hip. How could you bring this into our house? Her mother began tearing the pages from the binding. I told you how dangerous it was! I told you! Sprawled on the floor with tears streaming down her face, Annie watched as her mother destroyed her most precious treasure. Annie huddled on her bed, her arms wrapped around her knees and her eyes swollen from crying. She hadn't felt this alone since her father died. All the adults kept saying it was a beautiful service, but all she remembered was her father's face, white and slack. She touched his hand, but it was cold and waxy feeling, and the smell, not warm and woodsy like when he'd been alive, but bland with a hint of sourness that stung her nose. Then they'd lowered the coffin into a hole and covered it with dirt. It was the ugliest, saddest day, least beautiful day of her entire life. These last few days, she'd had him back. The songs had reminded her of the sound of his voice and how it wrapped around her like a warm blanket. If he'd still been alive, they'd be celebrating Christmas Eve right now, decorating gingerbread houses, watching Christmas movies, singing. She rocked in place and began to whisper the tune to Silent Night, one of his favorites, careful to keep her voice low. Music lilted through the air, so soft she thought she might have imagined it, conjured it. There it was again, louder. Annie jumped from her bed and raised the blinds on her second floor window. Her breath fogged the glass, as she wiped it clean with her sleeve and peered into the night. And there, coming up the sidewalk, was a group of seven people in brightly colored coats, hats, and scarves. One man stood taller than the rest. They each held a caroling book, and they sang in a harmony that drew Annie's own voice to join them. She slapped a hand over her mouth, tried to stop singing, but something was forcing the words from her throat. Soft at first, then louder, she sang along. The tendons on her neck stood out from the concentrated effort to quiet herself, but still, she sang. The carolers stopped in front of the house, and their heads angled upward. Though she couldn't see their eyes, Annie knew they were watching her. A hazy figure appeared at the rear of the group, and a deep, booming voice joined the rest. Her father. A painful, hopeful ache bloomed in her chest. He couldn't be here. She'd seen him buried, but what if he had come back somehow? If the carolers had returned his ghost, why couldn't he? He raised one hand in a wave. She raced from her room and through the house, toward the front door. A scream rang out as her mother grabbed Annie's arm. Annie tore at the curtains on the front window, ripping the rod from the wall. It's Dad! He's back! She looked out the window, but her father was gone. Only the carolers remained. Annie slumped against her mother. I saw him. I swear I saw Dad. Sharon rubbed Annie's back. It was a trick. A temptation. God, how could she have been so stupid? She knew her father was never coming back. 
I'm sorry, Mom. I brought them here. This is all my fault. <laughs> now they're gonna take me away and... Sharon kissed the top of Annie's head. I love you so much. More than anything in the world. Before Annie could register what was happening, Sharon pulled away and rushed out the front door, closing it behind her. Mom, no! Annie grabbed the door handle, but it wouldn't open. She twisted the lock, checked the deadbolt. Nothing worked. The door seemed glued in place. Annie tried the rusted latch on the window, pried and pulled, but it wouldn't budge. Her mother stood before the carolers. The tall man, Mr. Sherwood, Annie thought, broke from the group. He should look jolly in his green coat with a matching stocking cap and candy cane striped scarf, but the hands holding the book were no more than bones covered with rotting flesh. Sharon began to sing in a voice that was so lovely, so pure, that Annie froze at the divine sound. Her mother sang the words to Silent Night perfectly, having heard Annie and her father sing them a hundred times before. The carolers continued to sing, but the tune changed keys, turning discordant. The sour notes sent sweat trickling down Annie's spine and broke her from her stupor. She pounded against the window. Stop singing! She clawed at the window latch and the metal sliced her finger. Mr. Sherwood tugged something from his pocket, like a clown revealing a never-ending handkerchief. It was a red scarf dotted with white reindeer that went on and on. It must have been at least ten feet long. Sharon clenched her hands at her sides but continued to sing. He wrapped the scarf round and round her neck, then yanked it tight. Annie banged at the window, smearing the glass red. None of the carolers paid Annie any attention. Sharon's hands opened and closed from fist to crooked fingers and back again. She gasped for air and her face drained of color. The carolers turned as a group and moved down the street. All but Mr. Sherwood. Annie looked frantically around the room for something to break the glass and her gaze caught on the fireplace poker. She grabbed the metal bar. She returned to the window and saw her mother fall face first into the ground. Mr. Sherwood picked up the trailing end of the scarf and dragged Sharon's limp body along behind him. Annie swung the fireplace poker at the window as hard as she could, shattering the glass. She crawled over the windowsill, uncaring of the shards that cut into her hands and feet, and spilled out into the front porch. Annie staggered into the driveway, but the carolers were gone, and her mother was gone. She ran up the block her damaged feet leaving bloody prints in the snow, but the streets and sidewalks were deserted, and the only sound was the wind whipping through the bare tree branches. All the houses were completely dark, and although a few curtains rustled in the windows as neighbors watched, no one came to help her. Annie stumbled back to their house. The only remnant of the carolers was a swath of bare cement, cleared of the snow by her mother's body. Annie slumped to her knees. The cold seeped through her t-shirt and pajama pants, stung her bare skin. And smothering the sobs that wanted to overtake her, she began to sing. Her only hope was to carol so perfectly that Mr. Sherwood would come back and take her instead. She sang until her body was so numb with cold that she no longer shivered at all. She sang until her throat was raw and her voice was just a whisper. Then... The singing stopped, and there was only the silent night.
A silent night indeed. I don't like that Christmas Carol. And why is that, Mr. Scrooge? Because it's all about sleeping in heavenly peace. (laughs) Not exactly on brand for us, is it? Well, I like it when people sleep. Makes my visits easier. As I mentioned, it allows me to slip into bed with them. Please stop telling me that. It's creepy to imagine you doing it. Violating people's privacy. Where's the consent? Consent? You do realize I'm Santa Claus, don't you? The arbiter of good and bad for millennia now. My very essence is to judge people in every possible way. Their actions, their behaviors, their bodies, their income... Wait, wait, did you say their bodies? Well, of course. It's important for me to know exactly how everyone's body looks. Sans clothing, of course. You mean naked? Precisely. Don't tell me you've seen me naked. I've seen everyone naked. Wait, what? You've seen everyone naked? Yes, to see if they've got tattoos. Why do I have the feeling I've heard this somewhere before? If you get a tattoo, you don't get a gift. Seriously? Not that, yeah. You think getting a tattoo is good? No, getting a tattoo is not good. I don't care about it, but it's not good behavior. Oh, Santa, I think you should leave. No, 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 let me stay. Let's get back on topic. Ah, what a weird old man. Okay, look, you mentioned the idea of live-streaming caroling on Twitch, right? Did you know there are plenty of YouTube channels out there who live-stream Christmas-related content? I only pay attention to one streaming site. It's called OnlyFans. Uh, 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 let's stay focused on Christmas and YouTube. I've heard about a story from that aforementioned devilish little girl, Lisselle Jones. Apparently, she watched a strange channel that does those unboxing videos. People actually watch videos of people opening boxes? Hard to believe, isn't it? I prefer the site I watch. It's not quite the same thing, but it does feature boxes and... Can we please stay focused on Lisselle's recounting of the YouTube channel? All right, all right. Tell us all about it. (sighs) You've no doubt heard of the term spoopy. I refuse to watch those kinds of videos. No, no, spoopy. It's like a combination of spooky and cutesy. So kind of fun spooky. That's what that YouTube channel is like. It's two sisters highlighting things they find spoopy. It should have been fun. But it's not. What podcast are you a part of right now? I see. No spoops, just blood and guts and evil, dark, hellish nightmares to curdle the blood and make Oh no, no, it's just a delightfully creepy tale which we should all listen to right now. And who is performing this tale to the best of their abilities? The terrifying trio of Jessica McAvoy, Nicole Goodnight, and Mike Delgadio. Perfection! Allow me to say it. <clears throat> In our final tale... Nice, nice. Yes, our final tale is titled... The Eulopolis Christmas Village Unboxing Playlist. Oh my. (laughs) 
This playlist is a collection of public and previously private YouTube videos that I've collated to document the events that led to my daughter's disappearance on December 26, 2021. Despite the bizarre circumstances, I assure you, this is not a hoax. My hope is that these videos will enable someone out there to glean information about the current whereabouts of Dora and Mona, given that official inquiries have led nowhere. If anyone can help, then my contact details are below. Hashtag Sisters of Spoopy. Hashtag Find Dora and Mona. Sisters of Spoopy Eulopolis Unboxing Part 1. Creepy High Street. Published December 5th. 2021. Greetings, Darklings. Hi, everyone. For those who haven't yet had the pleasure, I'm Dora, and this is my sister and bestie, Mona. We're all about the spoopy. That's anything that's spooky, but also kind of funny or cutesy. Yeah, toys, collectibles, stationery, if it's spoopy, we're all over it. This year, we've got a special Christmas series to share with you. We're super excited to be working with Polar Scare Workshop. They're a fantastic new small business who build the cutest, creepiest, spoopiest Christmas villages we've ever seen. Not only do we have some great pieces to reveal to you today but they'll also be sending us more buildings from their brand new Yuleopolis collection every week throughout December. So by Boxing Day, we'll have literally built an entire city in our studio. We're so lucky. Thank you, Polar Scare Workshop. And if any of you want to get your creepy little hands on these amazing models, then don't forget to check out the discount code and links in the description. Don't miss out. Okay, time to get unboxing. Out with the daggers! Uh, okay. <laughs> Gotta admit, that's not the fanciest packing I've ever seen. Yeah, it is a bit... folksy. But it's charming, though, isn't it? That's part of the appeal when you buy from an artisanal small business like Polar Scare Workshop, I think. Everything's so unique and handmade. Even if it's just a plain brown box with Market Street shiz scribbled in red marker? Like I said, unique and handmade. Anyway, I can't wait to get the models out. These are... different. They certainly are, sis. Let's set them on the table to get a closer look. They're so heavy. <laughs> so, what have we got? Looks like two stores and a church. I love the vibe of these buildings. Kinda Halloween Town from Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, they remind me of Diagon Alley from Harry Potter, too. A cutesy, cozy, creepy street scene, but with a festive, snowy twist. Exactly. These are something else, though. Touch them, sis. 
They feel like they're made of real stone. This is high-quality merch, people. And I can already see hints of the dark humor Polar Scare talk about on their website. You could say they're the essence of Spoopy. Okay, shall we plug them in and get some close-ups? Let's do it. Oh, wow. That is fun. Atmospheric. It's pretty immersive the way the store windows light up like that. Those sound effects are giving me the creeps. In a good way, I think. Let's zoom in and let everyone see the fantastic detailing these models have going on. Okay. This first shop, it's called Nice Things, and looks like a quaint old candy store, doesn't it? Gotta say, the treats inside look really tasty, too. Yeah, delicious. I can almost taste those sweet, gooey, glistening... whatever they are in those jars. And if we look a bit further back behind them, we can see... uh... more treats. Oh, yeah. Looks like the people of Eulopolis know how to party, don't they? Check out the bottles. Moonshine, absinthe, something called nano baby blood? Oh, looks like we might need an age restriction on this episode. Maybe, but let's keep going. Get those on the right there, Mona. Oh, God, is that an opium pipe? And strips of pills with smiley elves' faces printed on them? This is so freaking weird! Love it! Okay, how about we move on to the next door? Although if those are nice things, I'm not sure I want to know what they sell in the naughty corner. It's a bit more difficult to see through the grimy windows. Oh my god, what kind of place is this, Eulopolis? And how do I get there? Are those things what I think they are? Whips, birch switches, chains, and cuffs? This is crazy. Like I said, looks like the people of Eulopolis know how to party. Think I'd better stop zooming or we'll risk a violation. <laughs> we'll have to blur out some stuff in the background, too. Okay, but if you want to see all the juicy details yourselves, guys... Don't forget, we've got a discount code. Smooth marketing there, sis. Let's wrap up with a look at the last of today's buildings. It's the church. That's gotta be more wholesome, right? <laughs> Wouldn't count on it in Eulopolis. It actually looks really pretty. So detailed and realistic. Look at the spire, the weather vane. Not sure what that creature on top is meant to be, though. The church is dark. You did plug it in, didn't you, Mona? Of course. Oh, shame. It'd look even better if it did light up. Whoa! Ooh. Is this thing voice-activated or something? Doubt it, but that was weird. The light came on right after you mentioned it. Yeah. Get a load of the designs on the stained-glass windows. As messed up as we've come to expect from Gulopolis. 
a goat on its hind legs leading a priest around on a leash? Mr. and Mrs. Krampus, uh, partying under the Christmas tree? Kudos to Polar Scare Workshop. This is going to give me sweet, sweet nightmares. I love these guys' imagination and their workmanship. Look at the gravestones, the yew trees, the mailbox. It's like being in another world. The only thing that's missing is figures. I mean, there's no people anywhere. There aren't any left in the box, are there, sis? Nope, I got everything out. Maybe they'll send us some in the coming weeks. I hope so. Anyway, thanks for joining us, everyone. Hope you've enjoyed this as much as we have. And if you have, then please don't forget to... Like and and subscribe. And also don't forget, we'll be unboxing cool, creepy constructions from Polar Scare Workshop every week this month. Details and discount code in the description. Till then... Stay spooky! Eulopolis Unboxing Part 1 Unscheduled Update Weird Discovery Published December 6th Hi everyone. I know we don't normally upload on Mondays, but we had to show you something really weird Mona found this morning. Yeah, I was having a look at the Eulopolis scene after breakfast and saw something in the churchyard that we missed yesterday. (laughs) Found something that wasn't there at all yesterday, you mean? Ooh. Looks like it. So, you guys ready to see what Mona found? So, yeah, there it is. That's a messed up funeral. Overlooking the whole, it appeared out of nowhere creepiness, you've still gotta admire the detail on these figures. The skeletal reindeer. The cart it's pulling. Check out the tiny bodies in there, too. They're so skinny you can see bones through their skin. And all their welts and cuts. Did they starve? Or were they beaten to death? We need to know, Polar Scare Workshop. Uh Uh-huh, and there's the open grave that wasn't there previously. I'll put up a frame from yesterday's video so you can see. Whoa. Check out the gravestone, too. It was blank yesterday, and now it's got writing on it. Useless spent elves. That is really freaky. It makes me feel sick. And before anyone says it in the comments, no, Mona isn't faking it. And we haven't set this up. Cross my wicked black heart and hope to die horribly. Can we finish now? Hey, sis, come on. It's just a model. See? They're just pieces of plastic. There's probably some tediously logical explanation why we didn't see that yesterday. I guess. Cool. Okay, people. If you have any helpful thoughts for Mona, then please put them in the comments. And if anyone's had a similar experience with Eulopolis, with or without our discount code, then please let us know. 
we'll be back next week as promised. Till then, stay spoopy. Eulopolis Unboxing Part 2 Totally Messed Up Holiday Village Published December 12th Greetings, spoopy kids. Hi. Thanks for joining us for part two of our special Christmas series. We've had a fantastic reaction to last week's videos. So many new subscribers. Thank you all so much. We've got another exciting package from Polar Scare Workshop to unbox. If you haven't already heard of these guys, then check out our description. We even have an exclusive discount code if you're tempted to spoopify your own home with their sensational scenes. Okay. I can't wait any longer. Out with the daggers. Okay. So these are a bit different to last week's weird villagey vibe. The turkey factory and soup kitchen? WTF. I guess we should set them out with the others. I think the guys at Polar Scare were going for a more gritty, kinda industrial feel with these buildings. They're pretty cool in their own way. I suppose we could call these edgy spoopy or spoopcore? Hey, I think you've just invented a new subgenre. How about we plug them in and take a closer look? Okay, there's no lights, but the windows are boarded up anyway. That's cool. Gives off that abandoned urban decay vibe, right? There's graffiti. Some weird symbols, burnt-out trash cans, blood-stained racks, piles of teeth and bones. You know what? I think we should applaud Polar Scare Workshop for reminding us that for some people, Christmas isn't just about shopping and gifts. Those pink shoots and tubes going in and out of the buildings, what do you think they're meant to be? Oh, uh, some kind of architectural details, I guess. I think those sound effects are going to mess with our audio. How about we switch them off, Mona? Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> sure was. Well, thanks again to Polar Scare Workshop for generously sending us their cool models. Don't forget to check out the details in the description and to like and subscribe. Until next time. Stay, stay spoopy. spoopy. Eulopolis Unboxing Part 2 Unscheduled Update Unexplained Noises Published December 13th.
something weird's going on, and we wanted you to see. The power's gone out, but we heard noises coming from our studio. We're out here in our hallway waiting to see if we can catch it on video if it happens again. There's a horrible smell coming from in there, too. Oh, yeah, it's disgusting. It started again. It's the FX from the Eulopolis models we opened earlier tonight. But there's no power, and those things don't use batteries. Plus, we'd unplug them because they freaked us out. That's true. I don't like it. We should go. How about I call Dad and ask to stay at his place tonight? No. We need to get this on video. Think of the channel. I, I mean, our subscribers deserve to see what's going on. I really don't want to go in. We'll be quick. Promise. Get the light on your phone ready to shine on the model. And the electrical outlets to prove they're unplugged. I'll get everything on cam. I don't... Please, Mona. You know how much this means to me. Okay, but let's be quick. We will. Okay, let's get this over with. You getting this, Nora? Yeah. There's nothing happening with the models. Just the sounds. Point your light at the plugs and outlets. See everyone? Nothing's plugged in, and there's no power anyway. So how is Eulopolis making these sounds? I'm going in for a closer look. Dora, no! You said we were just going to get some shots. It won't take long. I just want to check out the factory. Now? Thank God the power's back up. I'm out of here. Mona, wait! Eulopolis Unboxing Part 3 Huge Scary Compound Published December 19th Greetings, spooksters. Hello. To start today's video, we'd like to give a big thanks to all our subscribers. Yeah, we're super proud. Our channel's now got over 275,000 subscribers. This is so, so amazing. The channel's grown massively over the past couple of weeks. Thank you so much. Love, Love you, you all. all. Thanks also for all the supportive comments we've had about our experiences. We promise to keep you updated if there are any more weird going-ons. Sure will. We've also heard that some people have had problems ordering from Polar Scare Workshop. It looks like their website's down, but don't worry. We're doing everything we can to reach out to rectify the situation, and we'll keep you up to date. Okay, now that all that's out of the way, let's get on with this week's exciting installment. Out with the daggers. Wow, 
Wow, this one's really huge. It's called the complex. Intriguing. And there are a lot of parts. Looks like they need assembling. Time for some fast-forward magic, Mona? Let's go. took a while, but I think we've set it up right. Yeah, some instructions would have been nice, Polar Scare Workshop. Anyway, what we've got here is an enormous, uh, factory? Warehouse? Uh, offices? Prison? I'm really not sure. It's pretty ominous and uninviting. I wouldn't like to go there. The snow covering it is festive, though, I guess. Yeah, the pyramid in the middle of the roof adds a bit of interest. But other than that, the building's kinda... What's the word? Utilitarian? No windows, just some big metal roller doors. It's like a gigantic version of those anonymous buildings you see in industrial areas. There are signs above some of the doors. Let's see if I can pick those up on cam for you guys. Thanks, Mona. Let's see, we've got Ye Old Sweatshop, Panopticon, Correctional Facility, uh, okay, Supply and Be Damned, Fulfill slash Lament Center. Uh, shall we see if it gets any better when it's plugged in? Great idea. Doesn't look like anything's happening. Hmm. Maybe we can get the doors open? Doesn't look like it. Oh, that's weird. What? The building's heating up. It's gently throbbing, too. Feels kind of cozy, actually. Have a feel, sis. Polar Scare Workshop? You guys are insane. <laughs> yeah. Check out the links in the description if you'd like to buy a piece of this craziness for yourselves. We can't wait until next week when we'll be unboxing the last part of Eulopolis. Certainly can't. And if you've enjoyed this video, then please... Like, like and, and subscribe. subscribe. Until next time... Stay, stay spoopy! Eulopolis Unboxing Part 3 Unscheduled Update Nightmares Published December 20th Things are getting really weird, guys. You okay, sis? Want me to tell them? No, it's okay. Um, so, around half an hour ago, me and Mona both woke up screaming. And we kept screaming and screaming, even after we were awake. We couldn't stop. 
couldn't move. My throat's still a little sore. After we eventually stopped, we both ran out to the hallway to check on each other. We said we're basically okay, just had nightmares. But after we talked more, we got really freaked out. Turns out we'd both been having exactly the same nightmare. Yeah, the same fucked up nightmare that we were in Eulopolis. Not gonna lie to you, this thing is messing with my head. I know some of you won't believe us, but we've also got a lot of supportive viewers who want to know. So we decided to make this video to tell everyone about it, even though we're still pretty shook up. So it started with us being like dropped into Eulopolis. We'd either shrunk or it was like it was a real place. We were in the high street, but it had way more shops than the model. It stretched on and on. It was cold and dark, but the little lights were shining in the windows, and it was pretty cozy, like being in a storybook or a Christmas card. We started looking around. It felt like we were on a conveyor belt, or there were magnets under our feet or something. You know, like how skaters move around in normal Christmas villages? But it was also like we were making an effort to move ourselves. It's kind of hard to explain. We were excited and went to look in the windows like little kids. There were all sorts of pretty, shiny things in there. Candies and cupcakes, toys and jewelry. Also huge stuff that shouldn't really fit in shop windows, but somehow did. Cars and trains, fancy mansions, ice hotels, even whole islands. As we moved along the street, the stuff in the windows got grander and weirder. Golden baubles snowballing up a mountain, shape-shifting sculptures made from troops of tiny glass people, a grinning, fiery Christmas tree that stretched into space. Insane shit. To be honest, we didn't know what some things were, but we knew we wanted them. Then we realized we didn't have money to buy anything, and things began to change. Shutters slammed down and lights switched off. The people, or whatever they were, inside the stores started looking back at us through the windows. They were horrible, just faces without bodies. Thin, mask-like things slapping against the window panes. They had these little fingers coming out of their tongues and shins that held onto their stuff. They were glaring at us, like they really hated us, like we disgusted them. The doors of some shops we'd gone past opened, and they came out and started chasing us. Just these evil, jabbering faces on messed up fingers, running and hopping after us. They kept almost catching up with us, then falling back, then catching up again like it was a game. We pushed our legs harder, but couldn't move any faster. When we got to the end of High Street, though, they all stopped chasing. We'd reached the industrial area of Eulopolis, but that was worse. All cold and blizzardy. There wasn't anyone on the streets, but we knew we were being watched. There were noises coming from the buildings, steam hissing out of vents, dark shapes moving inside the windows. We still weren't really in control, but knew we had to get away. Like we'd freeze or starve or something would drag us into one of the filthy buildings if we hung around too long. We saw the complex in the distance. It felt like we'd be safe there for some reason, so we pushed towards it. The things inside the buildings started following us. 
we could see shadows through the windows we passed. They howled, scratched the glass, banged on boards and doors. They got more aggressive as we got nearer the complex, hitting stuff harder. The window panes began to crack and smash. Just as it looked like they were going to break out and get us, we arrived at the complex. The door rolled open and we moved inside. It slammed shut behind us, but at least it was warmer and less scary than outside. To begin with, at least. We were on a moving walkway, high up. The light was dim, but we could see what was going on beneath us. The place was filled with millions of little people scurrying around. Some of them were packing or carrying boxes. Others were digging and building. Others were tapping on machines, scrubbing floors, inspecting things, dismantling things, all sorts of things. And there were glowing cameras everywhere watching them. Endless voices shouting at them. They looked exhausted and terrified, but kept going. They were being beaten, electrocuted, pushed around. We tried to get away, but we were stuck to the walkway. It was slowly taking us to the far end of the building towards a doorway marked induction and training. We could see someone on the other side of it, a big man sitting behind a desk. It was dark, and we could only make out his hands, really. They were gross. Oversized, snaky fingers that he was moving slowly and grotesquely, making weird gestures like he was showing us what he was going to do with us, like he was going to probe us, mold us. And all the while, he was speaking to us, telling us about Eulopolis, how in his dimension their winter festival had grown bigger and bigger, out of control, how they needed more little helpers for their processes and spectacles how everyone had to give more of themselves. It was hard hearing him over the other noises, but we knew we were going to end up like the people on the floor if we didn't get away. Mona and we held each other's hands and told each other we could do it, that we wouldn't end up like them. The walkway stopped and the voice went quiet for a moment. Then he said, Think you're exceptional, do you? We have a special seasonal opening for you. The mechanical grabber swooped down, pinched us together by our ears, and hauled us up towards a light. Next thing, we found ourselves in a bright white room, facing a bank of monitors and cameras. We could see ourselves on the screens. We were fastened to this pink neon frame under a sign with our channel's name. A couple of little people came in. They were wearing medical gowns and caps, pushing a metal trolley. It was filled with empty boxes, rubber stamps, and horrible things. Scalpels, drills, sharp metal wheels on handles. We struggled, but it was hopeless. They came to us giggling, holding their rubber stamps. They took it in turns to punch me and Mona with them, printing big red numbers all over our faces and bodies like we were some kind of products. Then they injected us with some stuff and we started feeling woozy. We began singing or chanting something and it went dark. When we came to, we saw that the tools on the table were stained red, and that all the boxes had been filled... filled with... (laughs) I need to take a break.
formerly unreleased video. The timestamp shows it was recorded directly after the previous video and also uploaded December 20th, but set as private. I don't think we should upload that. People are just going to think we're insane or bullshitting. We need to document this stuff, Mona. You're obsessed with documenting. You're still recording now, aren't you? Yeah, in case we remember anything important. We'll edit as usual and save the rest in case something happens to us. I've given Dad the passwords, strictly for emergency use. Unbelievable. You think things could get that bad, but you still want to carry on? No, I'm sure we'll be fine. Do you know something I don't? You haven't been setting me up, have you? No, not what happened tonight, at least. Meaning what? Okay, I admit it. I did sneakily put out that reindeer and the bodies out by the church the first week. I knew your reaction would get our views up. And I was right. What the hell, Dora? We'd been going for over 18 months and only had a few thousand subscribers. But now look at us. Historically, the only time our ratings have ever spiked is when you get genuinely creeped out by something freakish or inappropriate. You've seen the comments. People think you look so fucking cute when you're scared. Pretty little frightened goth bunny, blah, blah, blah. You really shouldn't be jealous. It's no fun having all those creepy followers. Whatever. But all I did was put out the figures. I didn't change the grave or write on the tombstone. That wasn't me. And I didn't do anything tonight or last week. How could I have done any of that? I don't know. All I know is that I want this crap to stop. I understand. And I'm sorry. I just thought our channel was beginning to go places. I was so happy when we were offered our first freebies, even if they came from that polar scare company nobody's heard of. I just thought that combining them with your spoopy reactions would give us a shot at going viral. Yeah, about those freebies. I guess I've got my own confession to make. Go on. Polar Scare didn't approach us. I contacted them first. I'd been doing some research for the channel. I know how much you wanted to make it, so I'd been doing that a lot, actually. Anyway, I tried some companies that I thought would be a good fit with our brand and suggested that we'd be happy to do some reviews or unboxings. Gave them links to our best videos and stuff. Most didn't reply and the few that did declined. Well, that's depressing. So I tried a few more, and I might have exaggerated a teensy bit about our subscribers. Maybe added a couple of zeros onto the end of the numbers. And they fell for it? Polar Scare Workshop did. I couldn't find much info about them, but guess they were a small company who didn't have time to check. Anyway, beggars can't be choosers, so I accepted their offer. Shit, Mona. What do you actually know about these people? They've got our home address. They don't reply to emails. Subscribers are getting pretty pissed that they can't place orders. What have you gotten us into? What have I? You're the one obsessed with being a big YouTube star, hoping you'll somehow get famous playing with weird toys. Maybe you should listen to Dad and grow up. Do you really want to put on stupid performances for the rest of your life? 
I can think of worse ways to make a living. I was hoping this would be our big break. A huge Christmas event that viewers couldn't resist. Dream on, Dora. Anyway, don't change the subject. Okay, okay, so I lost the emails with Polar Scare somehow. They seemed to delete themselves, but they didn't really say much. Just that they were releasing their new Yulopolis model this winter and would like to send us pieces every week during December for unboxing. We help you, you help us kind of thing. Seems legit to me. Do you have their mailing address or anything? No. The packages come via SC Cheap Import, some distribution company that doesn't seem connected to them. Oh, great. So we're stuck with these Polar Scare weirdos sending us their fucked up shit. Only for one more week. And you know, we don't even have to unbox it. We could just throw it all away. We do have that option. Yeah. But the views, Mona. The views. We've never had so many. And might never get another chance like this. Is it really worth it, though? All the stress and weirdness? I'm scared, Dora. I know what you mean, but nothing's hurt us. It's just been kinda... spoopy, I guess. And we need to look at the big picture. One more Eulopolis video. Hundreds of thousands of subscribers can't wait for it. And afterwards, with our figures, we'll be able to team up with some real companies. Just one last video. How bad could it get? Hmm. I was even thinking we could do it as a live stream. That'll generate tons of interest. And I guess it'll also feel a bit, you know, safer if people are watching live. Anyway, let's sleep on it and talk in the morning. Eulopolis Unboxing Final Part Livestream, broadcast December 26th, 2021. Happy Boxing Day, spoopy ones. <laughs> or should that be happy Unboxing Day? <laughs> Cheers, everyone! We're so excited to see so many of you have joined us. Really, really humbling. Thank you so much. In a moment, we're going to unbox the very last part of Eulopolis. I know the Polar Scare Workshop website's still down, so sadly, I'm not sure if many people have been able to get hold of it. But really, is that such a bad thing? I know Dora won't like me saying this, but I think Polar Scare have been messing with us. And you've seen the weird stuff that's happened to us because of their shit. On the other hand, all the unexpected events have generated a crazy amount of interest. And we can't let everyone down by not unboxing the last part. So yeah, let's see what the weirdos got for us. Out, Out with, with the, the daggers. daggers. Okay, this box is labeled the sub... The sub vectus. The sub... what? Uh, who cares? Uh, let's get it out. Right, so this is meant to be some weird modern architecture? It certainly makes a statement. Looks to me like it fits on top of the pyramid on the complex.
Really, what the hell is that even meant to be? It's barely a building, is it? Just a stupid lopsided black cube with a big red bow stuck on it? Let me zoom in. Its surface is really smooth, like smoked glass or something. There's no markings or writing, but it looks like there's something inside. Let's hear it for Polar Scare Workshop, everyone. Another masterpiece of shit. Okay, I'll try plugging it in to see if it gets more interesting. <laughs> Nothing. Okay, um, how about we read some of the comments coming in from our lovely viewers? Shani19 says, Love your spoopy elf outfits. Oh, thanks so much, Shani. Tim Buck says, Hey girls, can we see some... Oh, looks like we've got some action in Eulopolis. Just more stupid sound effects. At least it's not waking us up in the middle of the night this time. Anyway, thanks for your comments, everyone. We really appreciate them. Let's have a look at some more... Hey, Mona, it's lighting up. It's really pretty. Seriously? We've got a comment from Polar Scare Workshop. We have a special seasonal opening for you. Ignore it, Mona. Probably someone trolling. Check out the way these lights are moving. So colorful. I've got to get a close-up. Another comment from Polar Scare Workshop. Worm ho ho ho. What does that mean, asshole? Mona, help! It's pulling me in! Shit, grab my hand. It's cut me too. Shit, are we locked in? Oh god, does your phone still work? Yeah. Looks like we're still live streaming. Hey, help somebody! Us. Help someone! Help! Get us out somebody of here! Help! Please, please help us! What's going on? Get down! Hashtag find Dora and Mona. Important update. Live stream, December 1st, 2022. Hello, everyone. I'm Lucas Benson, Dora and Mona's father. As you know, I've been trying to find my daughters over the past year, despite lack of help from the authorities. Their friends and I have had zero contact. Polar Scare Workshop seemed to have disappeared off the face of the Earth, if they ever were on Earth, which some people have questioned. 
there have been no real developments until today when this arrived at my house. The note that came with the package reads as follows. If you want the world to see your daughters again, then live stream an unboxing video for this. Today. No cheating. I, I have no idea whether this is some sick joke or, or not, but I'm not prepared to risk it. So, with prayers for my girls, out with the daggers. So I, uh, I suppose I should do some sort of commentary. Um, this thing looks like an ice road scene in a snowy desert somewhere. It's, uh, it's pretty realistic. Um, there's a signpost pointing one way. Eulopolis, 25 days. And then we've got a model of a large billboard. Oh, okay, I see. It's a, it's a touchscreen. I guess I meant to press play. Eulopolis Project Advent Calendar, Day 1. Published December 1st, 2022. Oh! Oh! Oh no! My girls! My precious little girls! What have they done to you? Two little elves with big dreams. Two little elves did live streams. Naughty little elves got big gritty eyes. Naughty little elves told wicked lies. Between now and Christmas, don't forget to refresh. There'll be a new video every day cutting flaps in our flesh. 24 more surprises to open. Will we survive? If you want to find out, then please... Like, like and, and subscribe. subscribe. <laughs> oh, my girls. My girls. Is 
this where I'm supposed to smash that like button? No, no, quiet, we're back. Well, that story is decidedly more spooky than spoopy. Yes, you can say that again. Well, Santa, we're out of stories. We're running low on whiskey, and unless you're willing to go chop some more wood, the fire is slowly burning down. I think we should bid farewell to our beloved Season Pass members. Good lot, aren't they? I'll say. Season Pass members make all this possible. I trust every one of them are on your nice list. They are indeed. And they are most attractive people. Yes, remember I've seen them all without any clothes on. As we bring this episode to the end, we are also wrapping up the calendar year of 2022. I want to send my sincere thanks to everyone who has both contributed to and listened to our episodes this year. Applause all around. And, uh, how about this old chunk of coal? The host with the most? Can I rest assured that I'm a good little boy in your eyes? Uh, Santa? I'd prefer not to commit to anything. That mole on your left buttock looks a little too much like a tattoo for my liking. Just my luck. Can I read the credits with you? I would be delighted to pause for the claws. Stop that. All right, I'll start. The No Sleep Podcast is presented by Creative Reason Media. The musical score was composed by Brandon Boone. Our production team is Phil Mykolski, Jeff Clement, and Jesse Cornett. Our creative content manager is Olivia White. Our editor-in-chief is Jessica McAvoy. Please visit thenosleeppodcast.com for show notes and more details about the people who bring you this show. On behalf of everyone at the No Sleep Podcast, we thank you for being a supportive Season Pass member and for sharing these exclusive Christmas frights with us. And we wish you and yours the very best for the festive holiday season. This program is copyright 2022 by Creative Reason Media, Inc., All rights reserved. Surely I don't have to say that again again. The copyrights for each story are held by the respective authors. No duplication. I'll say that again. No duplication or reproduction of this audio program is permitted without the written consent of Creative Reason Media, Inc. And Santa himself. You don't need to add that last part. Oh, shove it, you old humbug. Humbug? You're the one with a humbug up his ass, you decrepit souse. I've only had two or three this evening. Two or three bottles, more like it. You naughty little shit. Don't expect any presents under your tree this year. Fine, if it means keeping you out of my goddamn bed, you old pervert. Kiss my Christmas sack, sonny. You're on the naughty list for good. Brace yourself for my foot up your dark chimney. You and-